Who are you? Who am I? I'm a, I'm a young man from Aussie Projects who uh, really made um, the thing that that thing that they say Amer the American dream come true because I w I'm not supposed to be here speaking to you. You know, there's a lot of people that come from where I come. There's a lot of skilled people who come from where I come who are who are not here right now. Yeah. You are Jay Z. Oh, I, I thought you meant like who am I? I thought you I thought it was a deeper question. I thought my name is Jay Z. Yes. Pussies. Call the first one savage, more my mood, that's what it was 2016 we was running around, beat niggas up in the club I know she around for the money, but act like she loyal, I don't feel the love I'm so rich, get bored, might wake up, buy me a car just cause Running, 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 running I leave by my Alright y'all, welcome to another episode of the Savage Mode Podcast A.K.A. Uh, niggas with Degrees A.K.A. Uh, we talked about Kanye too much on the last one. So this one's a little bit of a palate cleanser. Um, I want to start the show out on, on a slightly, uh, sad note. Uh, we, a, a very, uh, important casualty during this pandemic. Um, uh, I just wanted to have a moment of silence for, uh, for Daft Punk. The French duo called it quits. Uh, kind of out of nowhere. I would be remiss to say that Daft Punk wasn't a huge influence on our uh on our musical career let's just hope uh, you know unlike lcd sound system that they mean it and they stay retired um <laughs> i i yeah. you know got a second that in terms of my personal you know musical development and learning about yes. disco learning about funk learning about all that shit via sampling but exactly yeah once yep. you get out just stay retired um of of Daft Punk memory, gentlemen? Oh, Daft Punk memory. A chord uh, memory, if you will. Chord memory. Uh, homework. The first time listening to your homework blew my mind. Yes. At the time, it was just so fresh. It was funky. I mean, they've been in the game for 28 years, so, I mean, they've had a good run. They have great albums. They've been in the game 30-plus years. It yeah. just Daft Punk didn't become a thing until... Um, or they didn't. They didn't put the helmets on until they put out uh, <laughs> Discovery. Right. So, but you know, Daft Punk's been been around. Um, they perfected that dusty French touch uh, approach to beat making. And like you said, Malik, um, I probably wouldn't have discovered Chicago House if it wasn't for Daft Punk and their essential mixes. Um, that was probably my my Daft Punk memory was was tracking down their 97 or 96 essential mix they did um and I just remember them playing uh some some DJ Sneak record and my mind just melting uh all over the place but yeah <laughs> RIP RIP Daft Punk um we hardly knew ye but I wanted to get into the news um, something that's very relevant to the three of us, uh, mostly relevant to me though, because I'm the only one on the dole here, um, professionally unemployed, um, fun employment, fun employment. Exactly. Well, that's how I have time to, you know, thoroughly prepare for these little conversations we have every week, but the parliamentarian in Congress, uh, decided against, or rather decided that the $15 minimum wage, 
uh, is not uh, relevant to the stimulus bill, the $1.9 billion, or excuse me, trillion dollar stimulus bill that's that uh, the Biden administration is trying to push through uh, right now. The one question I have about this is where my money, um, because when when they were pushing Raphael Warnock and 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 whatever the other guy, the white guy, what was his name Pete Buttigieg Light? Who was I the other guy? I don't even know, man. Pete Buttigieg Light. Yeah, the guy um, who it, opposed the. The, st- the stimulus COVID nineteen package? No, 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 no. When the other Democrat Georgia, from Georgia, who's like our age? Yeah, mm. the the Stacey Abrams. Uh, oh, the, the the guy that that Stacey Abrams put in a lot of work. The white guy that Stacey Abrams put a lot of work uh. in for. Um, you know, they essentially got elected by promising two thousand dollar checks out the gate, and here we are. How how far in are what, we? Two months. Two, month, two months in. Well, it was fourteen hundred dollars as of a month ago. So yeah, it didn't even well, take them that long. <laughs> yeah, I mean they 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 reneged on that real fast. Um, but the fifteen dollar an hour um, minimum wage fight kind of has legs all over the place, um, especially when it comes to some of the biggest corporations, um, Amazon, McDonald's. Uh, Costco recently came out with a bit of news that, you know, in a little bit of a dick measuring contest saying that they're going to start all of their employees at a $17 minimum wage. Mm. Uh, Amazon has been running a bunch of ads on all the podcasts talking about uh, their minimum wage has always been $15 whilst also engaging in some of the most aggressive union busting uh, in the country right now. McDonald's, um, which, you know, used to be uh, a, a, what's the word, a, a crowning achievement of a young person's employment history, now, you know, simultaneously uh, spying on its uh, employees who are involved in the uh, $15 minimum wage fight. Uh, it, it just seems like all of these corporations are doing a lot of PR to say that they're very pro-employee, but the facts say otherwise. Well, and the uh, business incentives say otherwise, and that's really you know why we end up in this situation. The government has been repeatedly weakened in terms of uh, protections for consumers, protections for employees, the ability to, you know, organize. Um, so I can say that that's a predictable outcome of that situation. I think this situation is going to highlight the big conflict within the Democratic Party, centrist and progressive. Right now, we've hit this 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 roadblock. Obviously, the progressive wing is going to want to push on the administration past this fifteen dollar minimum wage hike, but now it's all onto biden really like what is he gonna do right like he you know the democrats can still include this piece of legislation in the bill but are they gonna really deliver the democrats definitely have the power to overrule the parliamentarian well will they use it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah will, will they that, use the power that they've been granted by you know the majority of voters to do something that exactly. will benefit the majority of people that live in this hellhole and what's what's ironic of that is that the past four years we've seen uh, this uh, president number forty five abuse these powers for the worst things imaginable, and then fast forward to twenty twenty one, Democrats can use power to enrich 
uh, American workers uh, across the country. It's just... It's not even about enriching them. It's about just providing like a baseline level of uh, lifestyle that people can feed themselves. The real themselves. question here is like, it's not about the minimum wage. It's about should poverty exist in this country? And do we give a shit about people that, you know, are stuck and trapped in a system where it's, you know, set up so they can't succeed? Trapped so. in, in wage, wage slavery, pretty much. Uh, but but yeah but yeah that's that's kind of the card that that they have to pull um and it's it's funny you said that it's up to biden it's not up to biden it's up to kamala harris because she is the tiebreaker vote in the senate mm. so through budget reconciliation they could push the bill through with the 15 dollar um minimum wage attachment to it um advocated most fervently by bernie motherfucking sanders um the god the god the god and and they could do it but again i, I it, it's this centrist kind of leaning or the centrist idea that there can be compromise and might i just say the $15 minimum wage is wildly popular. The stimulus bill is wildly popular across party lines in the entire country. The only place where it's not popular is in the Re Republican Party. And um, I don't know if you've been reading up on this, but the senator from, from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, he is the kind of wishy-washy democrat on this because he's saying that a 15 dollars minimum wage would be too much of a burden on his state where the cost of li living is lower so he's pushing for like an 11 dollars minimum wage which is i'm sure we've all had the experience yep. is kind of like a negligible amount of money negligible and yeah and he he's just being as obstructionist as the the republicans are for seemingly a a nothing reason. but then but then again west virginia so. it's 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 total bullshit <laughs> fuck joe manchin uh he there's actually uh i think there's a report out there that shows that west virginians would have to make over 20 dollars in order to live a baseline lifestyle in west virginia so this guy is not even helping out his own constituency in west virginia like no no well yeah. there but most of the people in the senate are old white millionaires so they really don't have any uh any idea what's happening on the ground so do we have, do we have a cultural do we have a cultural angle on this topic or just uh, on this situation most of the people that work in these places are black yep and brown and, and brown and uh <laughs> ding, ding, know, ding 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 <laughs> yeah so it 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 it, it affects um it affects all of us in, yeah. in one way or another. Um, yeah. And me especially because, again, I'm... <laughs> where's my money, Joe? <laughs> really, all of us, in terms of, you know, the economy moving forward, our economy is uh, propelled two-thirds by consumption of people that, yes. you know, live in this country. And the billionaires who have uh, increased their wealth 16 times like Elon Musk over the past year are not spending, they're not spending that money. That money's not coming back to the government in terms of taxes. And it's not, you know, cycling through communities that need it. So you give money, you give money to, to poor people and people like us and we spend it because. 
Exactly. That's, that's what we got to do sur- to survive. They, Nike keeps putting out some fire shit. So. Got to stay fresh. Got to stay fresh. I do want to dissect that question you had, though, about does this, com- does this country really care about poverty? And does it really care about eradicating it? Um, because, uh, you know, on a surface level, all signs point to no. But with the Democratic Party is supposed to be the party of the people. But they are they have continuously um, in the name of compromise and I don't know, not going down the same extremist partisan uh, lane that the Republicans are in the name of just like whatever, have continually ignored the cries from the bottom. Yeah. In the name of bending over, um, basically, there's no moral position or political reason that you would want to you know strike a compromise with a group that doesn't believe in governance um when you when you're the party in power yeah all in the name of bipartisanship which never gets the democrats anywhere and they should learn their lesson right they've gone through this in 2008 through obama's uh presidency so if they don't really uh you know kind of step up and really deliver then they're probably they're probably going to suffer you know 2018 midterm election and and in the words of Freddie Gibbs, um, we elected the cops. <laughs> so literally, literally, <laughs> Vice President Harris. Yeah. Look at the track Gary, record. Look Gary at the track Indiana. record. Gary, don't lie. <laughs> We're patiently waiting. Um, fortunately, the three of us aren't hungry right now, but um, that could that could change. In tech news. Uh, Twitter has announced that they will be introducing a subscription-based model called Super Twitter. Or was it called Super Follow? Super Follows. Essentially what this is, is you can subscribe to your the people you follow to get extra content, maybe have a little more access to... Um, interacting with them, um, perhaps introducing more a more long-form version of uh of twitter uh irv you're in the tech space um you get paid by big tech um tell me tell me how you how you're seeing this uh, this 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 move well first of all let me interrupt and just say irv works at a company that has a business model so oh, I think that, it's a little true. bit different <laughs> from the situation <laughs> over at twitter it's also got a true uh, full-time ceo so Nick, go ahead you yeah. know twitter <laughs> Twitter has found its bottled water moment. It's trying to bottle water and sell it to people. You know, yeah. the thing is now you go on Twitter, you get tweets for free. And now they're going to put this paywall. People can charge for tweets. The thing is, why are people going to pay for tweets if they're already getting for free right now? And like, of course, there's a whole trend of like, you know, Patreon, you know, creators are setting up, uh, you know, their paywalls. People can contribute to, to creators. And, you know, the intent is good there, but. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to land. I'm not sure if people are ready to pay $5 to read a tweet at 8 in the morning behind a paywall. I'm not sure. All, all I keep thinking about is like, there they go again, trying to monetize black Twitter. They're trying to <laughs> trying to make a buck off of black people's sweat. That's their right labor. as Americans. They, yeah. they started a, co- a company in this country. And yeah, I mean, yeah. half, half of Twitter is... Uh, blue checkmark journalists and the other half are just some dude in Atlanta 
with a hot with a hot take <laughs> on uh on why you know why and 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 again i i actually started writing a piece about how twitter's kind of been at the cultural uh precipice for a lot of pivots in in a lot of directions and to your point about them not really having a business model i think it was because of that open-ended quote-unquote business model that they were allowed to be that hub for cultural creation it was free it wasn't overly inundated with advertising once they finally figured that out um and it just let people create i'm still convinced that vine was the single most important social media invention in the last since but they completely fucked that up too absolutely absolutely agree absolutely agree they fucked it up um but from a from a business perspective, I mean, uh, Jack's old business partner Ev Williams, uh, who's now who's the founder of Medium, um, it just kind of seems like they're going after a lot of different things. Like you said, Patreon. They're going after uh, Medium, Substack, and um, mm-hmm, the other mm-hmm. the other the other part of the move is that they're introducing this thing called groups or communities or whatever, mm. which is obviously there to rival. Um, Facebook groups, uh, which then leads me to think like since they've lost their biggest revenue generator, which was the former president, basically what they're doing, they're taking the Facebook model and saying like, let's build all the tools that everybody else is doing and but we're going to charge people for it. Um, RIP Twitter was trending. That's how I heard about this story. (laughs) 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 Uh, I, I, I think this might end up being, um, being pretty, pretty detrimental. Yeah. I'm not a part of, I'm not a Twitter user, so I I would want to understand, you know, because I look at Twitter as a social network rather than a community. Like I really look at it as a place where people go to speak to large groups as opposed to a place where people go to speak to their homies or whatever. Individuals. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So do, does their attempts to uh, build something like groups or to implement a paywall uh, for customers that want to sell tweets make sense when they think about it from that perspective? Like the, you know, the actual feature that this net- network offers is like that one-to-many communication. One-to-many, exactly. <laughs> Henry, the, the, you know, the truth is no one knows how to use Twitter, okay? So people are on there I know one slinging, guy. I know one tweets. guy that was great at Twitter. And he's never allowed to use it again. <laughs> well, there's there's one person that we all agree has mastered social media. Uh, he was his... great at Twitter. He was the best poster of all time. And yeah. he's never allowed to do it again. Yes. To- absolutely. Absolutely. That's it's funny. There was there was that the tweet like RIP to the best poster out there, you know? And yeah. he d- didn't have to provide any more context. Everybody understood that, you know? But exactly. but to kind of your point, Henry though, you know, I think is Twitter does have a history of just launching products that make no damn sense. And I feel like this is just another phase of that, you know, and Bruce encapsulated perfectly. Facebook has a model there's competition on the Substack Patreon side. It's kind of more than them trying to just catch up, right? What they see is like a new wave of people monetizing in these different spaces. So yeah, I, I think Twitter's a little astray here. And what they do, they do it well, but unfortunately, it's hard to charge people for that. Um, and I think they have they have a more altruistic 
kind of approach to things where even now, like their advertisements aren't that intrusive still. Yeah, but I'm going to I'm going to push back against that because I do remember previous in my previous life as a Twitter user when the timeline went away from being chronological to being, um, you know, ranked um, yes. by, by some algorithm and that really being, you know, that changed the way that you used and thought about the app and the platform so that's very so true. much I, so that was much less that. about the homies and more so about just you know putting putting shit out there that may get to somebody in two minutes or may get to them in three days you know in a few days yeah they they, they lost the the timeliness of it but the, the other point i wanted i wanted to bring up though also is it also seems like they're trying to go after the parlors and the gabs of the world with the introduction of the communities feature, it just seems like they haven't learned any lessons from the last four years. Oh, I, I would say that's absolutely true. Yeah, if you create a walled garden, all bets are off. <laughs> Creating these insular communities makes radicalization, uh, it puts it into hyperspeed. And yes, that's a way to, I suppose, retain customers uh, i think twitter still ranks among the lowest of active users um, but at the same time like do we really need one of the big three uh to also have another way of closing off subsections of the community so that more craziness can uh can Flourish. propagate but one <laughs> one one thing i will say and maybe you guys have um, some notes on this i did watch jet one of jack's uh congressional hearings and they were kind of asking him about the election and how it pertained to america and he made a point he was just like three quarters of twitter users are not in the united states that was me quoting him um so while the approach they take in the United States does have repercussions globally the, in thinking about their business model. They, they have to consider that they're a global company and not just one, you know, Yeah, but they're not, they're not doing that either. They're not looking at the way, you know, people use Twitter as a tool to harass and attack people, you know, online, wherever they happen to live. Here we are. It's 2021. We have a business. It doesn't make money, doesn't know how it's going to make money, but it's justified in existing because, question mark, despite, despite, you know, all of the social and political strife that it's caused. Because it's a business, it has to continue on. It's it's a perpetual uh, motion machine. (laughs) Like it, it makes no sense. I thought if a business didn't make money, it's a, it's a root (laughs) that it wouldn't, it would would fail in the market. It makes perfect sense in the tech industry, pretty much. (laughs) It's a Rube Gold. It's a Rube Goldberg. So in that sense, it's a relic from you know the second dot com era. In that way, uh, in, in a sense, I mean, I, like I think we're still living in that in that time, and a lot of in a lot of ways, and we're in a big financial bubble right now. Um, and a lot of the money is you know going into these tech companies like yeah. Tesla because of their brand yeah. names more so than oh. because of their products. And I mean, they're and they're they're uh, eccentric uh, CEOs. Also true. But yeah, I was I was just saying I don't understand how Twitter justifies its existence as a company or as you know 
a public it's, square in the digital realm that people <laughs> feel the need to expose themselves to. People, people got 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 opinions, dog. Hot takes, hot takes, hot All takes. Right, we uh, might want to we might want to cut this, but I do have a thought about um, maybe a path forward for Twitter is thinking of itself as a media company because that's sort of the space that they inhabit. It's a place where uh, you know journalists go there to learn about things that are happening in the world in real time, and people go there to uh, speak one to many about their experience um, in real time. And that feels to me more like, uh, you know, something that would be owned by CNN or own CNN than, mm. you know, a social media that, uh, or sorry, a social network that I would go to to talk to my homies on. So, so it's just a, it's just a big comment section for, <laughs> yeah, for a media, it could be bolted onto an existing media company or yeah. I mean that's what it massive. So how do you massive chat that? room? That's what I think it's it actually is. Chat room. That's what Twitter is. But 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 yeah. you talk but, your shit and then you end up yelling at Bob from fucking Ohio. But, or just but, or just an egg. You're but, just screaming at an egg. <laughs> screaming at a Russian bot. You know? yeah, a Russian egg. Yeah. Vladimir fifty ninety seven. Excuse me, Vladdy lover. <laughs> Vladdy lover. Vladdy lover. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I guess, you know, the thing, the, the reality is, I think, about a company like Twitter is that um, given given it has its network and a lot of users, it has a lot of data. And that data is an asset to them. So, like, the business model, you know, isn't super visible to us. Like, okay, they're doing super follows. That's a way to make money. But Malik is shaking his head. But, but yeah, you know. I'm advertising, that, I get it. But that hasn't sustained them. It's been 13 years or whatever. You oh, know, I mean. They're still. <laughs> They're yeah, still but trying I to guess, figure it out. I think it's. I, th- I mean, it's a good question, but it's. I think it's. I mean, I think you can also make the argument that there is value in that network. You have a lot of, you know, quote unquote high profile people in different industries, whether it's entertainment, music, arts, etc., who use the platform, and you know, it has a network effect. The more people join in, the more people are tweeting, the more value goes into the network. So, like, although yeah, they may not have a business model. I mean maybe the value that you get from it is unquantifiable you for, know, kind of, for kind of, well it, <laughs> it's very <laughs> i would I, I think that's a hundred percent accurate i remember 2016 you know i opened up twitter app you know and i talked about this in the last in the last episode um you know 2016 opened the app kanye's like yo i'm Madison Square Garden. I'm throwing the show. You t- yeah. buy the tickets. I, got I, the ticket I would say right unquantifiable is an accurate assessment of the value of the time I spent on Twitter. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I mean, it does have a it does have a market price, and it's trading at seventy seven dollars as of uh, close close on uh, on Friday. This so. is not a, this is not an investor podcast. You know, we, no, we're not, we're no, not no, no, investment no. advice. But we, but we, but we said it's unquantifiable. Somebody found a, a quantity, you know, and it has some market cap. But regardless, <laughs> it's worth something. Um, it's worth so, something. So while we're on this discussion, though, this is a good, this is a good slide into the next thing. While Jack, you know, his beard gets longer and Twitter gets more confusing, <laughs> um, he is also the CEO of another company uh, called Square. Square, if you're not familiar, is a mobile. It started off as a mobile payment system. Now it's a full-fledged POS, um, point-of-sale platform, and they are in talks. He he and Jay-Z have been been getting busy. They started a investment fund uh, with 500 Bitcoin. 500 uh, B? 
BTC? Yeah, 500 great, BTC. Great headline. Has everything we need in it. Uh, valued at $26.3 million. It's a blind, irrevocable trust. So neither Dorsey or Jay-Z can give any direction on how it's run. Uh, so basically they set up a big pot of money that can go out into the world and hopefully do some good. On the other end of that transaction, however, Square has been in talks with um, Title about taking that over. Um, Title, of course, being Jay-Z's streaming platform uh, that he launched. I don't know. He launched it with he like didn't a really... He bought it. But okay. <sighs> yes. He bought it from some other aggressive... Uh, who? Who started Spotify? Some Swedes? Yes. Were they Swedes? So he yes. bought it from some other Swedes. He pulled a, 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 what's his face? Sean Parker. He pulled a Sean Parker and got in uh, and then convinced all of music's A-list, a.k.a. the um, Universal Mu- Music Group's top-selling artists, to promote Tidal. Uh, including Daft Punk, Rihanna, Beyonce, Kanye. Yep, yep. there's a big uh, cetera, PR cetera, push for that. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, you know, that's old news. But um, Square is in talks with Jay uh, in in terms of acquiring it. Now, before we pivot into the broader discussion kind of about Jay-Z's portfolio, which is kind of what I wanted to get into, Spotify also announced that they're, um, they're starting a, a hi-fi streaming service uh, meaning that they're going to be offering lossless audio which is which was titles foothold in the market they were the only streaming service that offered lossless audio now uh, Irving you know we we might we had to do full disclosure Irving works for Spotify so if we get to a point in the conversation where he can't chime in um, because of various legal reasons you know he'll he'll say so non-disclosure agreement three words yeah NDA yeah, so I, <laughs> uh, so but but let's let's start at, from a macro level. Is there a market for hi-fi streaming? Absolutely um, not. We are. <laughs> no one, no one cares. You're listening to this on AirPods. Um, you're completely disregarding the hours of work that Bruce puts into this masterpiece. But you're hearing the words, and that's what really matters. In Mal- in Malik's mind, you know, high fidelity means listening to vinyl records in your living room. There's no other replacement for that. I mean, I can see Malik's bedroom right now, uh, and and I know for a fact there's a very hi-fi setup in there. Uh, so, so, but but like I said, so we're the three of us. We're DJs. We make music. We understand the hours and the in the the days and the months and the money we put into not only you know buying gear, putting putting music together, but like getting second opinions, getting people to mix and master it, and you know that goes all the way up to the top, you know. And I found it ironic that they used Billie Eilish as their kind of front uh, person. I'm speaking they as as if. You know, you're not a part of the the cabal, but um, <laughs> but but they use Billie Eilish as their front person for this campaign, and I've listened to Billie Eilish records. They do sound really good. I mean, I I even was sent a 3D audio version of like one of her 
one of her records, which basically, you know, put her music in space. And if you listen to it on headphones, it sounded like the record was going around your head. I'll, I'll put a link to that in the, uh, in, in the notes. But, um, but yeah, it just seems very odd that for a service that basically is just a replacement for Top 40 Radio uh, would want to enter into like the hi-fi space. Now, I will say Spotify's catalog is very deep. It's all right. It's big. It's, it's big. Right. Yeah. Um, I've, found, right. I've found quite a bit of, of music on there that I probably would have never discovered had I not spent hours and hours on my knees um, getting asthma in a record store. But, um, but <laughs> right. yeah, it just, seem, it just seems like the energy they're putting behind the campaign doesn't really match up with the market that a hi-fi because uh, for most well, people all hi-fi means is higher data rates on their <laughs> on well, their me, metro on their me, metro pcs phones you let know let me pull I mean? back the curtain a little bit since bruce did invite himself and the listener into my apartment uh you're currently <laughs> listening to the voice of a brother who has a remote server i don't even know what country it's in that i pay for <laughs> With Bitcoin, just so I can put music on there in Flack yeah. that's not on Spotify. And I yeah. think people you know, that are interested in a high-fidelity listening experience aren't you know, doing it from their phone. And they aren't... Uh, you know, streaming does offer a huge convenience over the scenario I just described. But I think it's less appealing to you know, the 10 or 4% of nerds that are already you know, living that type of lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we've already we've already figured out a workaround. Yeah, yeah, and you know, of course, the people who you're describing are right—people who've dedicated time and money into the craft, whether it's DJing or, or becoming a music enthusiast. But this, right, hi-fi is. I have four pairs of headphones next to me right now. <laughs> just so. to record, I, I can point. Just I can to pick record up seven mode. I can yes. pick up at least seven pairs. But anyways, you know, this, right, this hi-fi subscription tier is for people who may be interested, right, in listening to hi-fi, who may not have the server, right, who may not have record collection, whatever it is, or who are interested in listening to a higher fidelity audio experience, right? And, and, the, and I see what you're saying, Bruce, but this is an established market. There are other companies who offer this. And, you know, the list yeah. goes on. I think there's, like, a French company who does it and a couple other... I think Tidal, too, yeah. Oh, yeah, Kubas or Kobo. Yes, or exactly. Yeah. So, Cuba. you know, it's it's from that perspective, it kind of, you know, it's, I guess, catch-up, I guess, to a degree. But, yeah, you know, it's... Yeah, I guess it's out there now. Yeah, and, and, and maybe it's that last, you know, quarter of a percent that they need to onboard um, at the end. I mean, even if I can't hear the difference, if it says it's a higher bit rate, I'll feel better about you. I'll believe. It. So. Yo, four, four, forty-four hundred, man. Get your get your frequent your your frequency uh, spectrum analyzers out. You know, you can do the test yourself. Yeah. Yo, there's like a there's like a thousand dollar app on the App Store that uh, I've only seen Francois K use and, and to to tune the club. Like he'll walk around the club. And tune tune it before his before uh, his with like a mic- with like a microphone. Yeah, Shot yeah, yeah. Well. With just like a a, a a lightning cable microphone. Uh, Shout out to Frank anyway. Okay. Uh, but but back to the Jay Z bit. So title is one of many uh, items in Jay Z's portfolio. LVMH has just taken a fifty percent stake. <laughs> 
in Jay-Z's Ace of Spades champagne Whoa, brand. 50%. Yeah, and and if if I'm remembering correctly, uh he said uh Ace of Spades is worth half a B. I got 50% and that's tax free. <laughs> so are you, you trying to are you trying to back us into a conversation about whether or not we'll be in the club by New Year's Eve? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what what this bet is really about. Fingers crossed. Oh, that that's a, actually a very good point. That is a <laughs> tremendous. That's a tremendous point. They're buying um, low right now because champagne. You know, it, it'll still be good five years from now, and when people do <laughs> decide to party again, <laughs> they got to pop something, right? Exactly. Well, <laughs> Another another reason why I wanted to talk about Jay Z's and Jay Z and Jay Z's portfolio and about the champagne specifically because it was a very interesting journey at, about how Jay Z got to uh, the point of owning his own um, champagne brand. I don't know if you remember a little uh, a little gold bottle called Cristal. Cristal. In the late nineties and early two thousands, the 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 brand of choice in the hip hop community was Cristal, likely because it was the most expensive, and not because it had any taste. It's also um, easy to pronounce, so that helps. Yo, recognition. Oh my, any, bro, any any brother anywhere can say that. <laughs> so Jay Z Jay Z's uh, champagne brand is called Armand de Brignac. Right. So it's like very, <laughs> very French. Uh, and I'm not even going to try the French pronunciation. And I said to my mom last night, he called it Ace of Spades because when you're in the club and you're trying to order something, some you don't want to trip over saying Vuvuzela. You don't want to trip <laughs> over saying whatever you say. <laughs> Let me get that Ace of Spades. Right. And also Ace of Spades sounds dope in a lyric. So anyway, there was this. There was this moment where the owner of Cristal, uh, the the Cristal Champagne, said in an interview uh, that, asked by an interview if the association with Rap's Bling Bling set could hurt the brand, Mr. Rizal was quoted as saying, that's a good question, but what can we do? We can't forbid people from buying it. (laughs) Essentially. (laughs) Wait, when was this interview? 1946? No. <laughs> no man this was uh this was in 2006 so essentially cristal was blacklisted from all of the entertainment industry because jay-z said said so all parties stopped carrying cristal because they didn't want money is because their dumb ass CEO, you know, made an underhanded comment about how black people like their product and that then and that how maybe that didn't fit in with their prestige of their brand. Wow. So, I think that is exactly it though. I think so this is, is uh... this this is 15 years ago now. So ba- basically Jay-Z was able to blacklist an entire brand of spirit <laughs> and in the meantime, he found uh, Armand de Bragnac <laughs> and invested in that. And since then, Ace of Spade has been like the uh, the the champagne of choice um, because Jay Z put his fucking foot down. <laughs> and also, what I find interesting is this this LVMH. 
uh, acquisition. What's the H in LVMH? Hennessy. It's Hennessy. So clearly, uh, someone in the, in, in the in the front office under <laughs> uh, understood understood uh, the power of the black dollar. And well, yeah, the LVMH conglomerate didn't exist until what four years ago, six years ago. True, it's a, it's a yeah, relatively Louis- recent. Um, and they also own a car company that um, you know rappers are pretty fond of too. What Link Lincoln? <laughs> I think it's Aston Martin. I'm 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 uh showing my like okay. research here, but it, okay. they do own uh some car company that makes six-figure cars. So. And now they have now they own Jay-Z's. And now they, they own a half they own 50% of Jay-Z's uh champagne company. Bruce, can you could you expound a bit on what went on in that decision? Like what was the Oh, okay. The big plan behind it? As rich people do, they, they, they tend to invite each other over to their houses and talk <laughs> about business. Um, so apparently the story, according to the LVMH guy, he just went over to Jay-Z's $88 million house. Sounds and, normal. <laughs> and, and here we are. I mean, what, what did he say? I sold kilos of Coke. I'm guessing <laughs> I can sell CDs. So, you know, this is just another, you know, stripe in in his belt but this also wasn't his first foray into um the spirits business i don't know if you remember armandale vodka mm. do, do we remember uh, that not ringing a bell let's get not smart brother on the let's get smart brother on the line <laughs> really, brother, we really need to just get rid of me and Irv. we're used to it. we'll <laughs> just read the outro armandale? we'll read your social media uh names you need to yeah. educate us bruce yeah. evidently so that was armandale vodka was um around the same time that Diddy got in with Ciroc, seeing the success with Ciroc. Um, this was when Rockefeller was um, still together, hmm. uh, and they invested in Armandale Vodka, which, got really, it. which really didn't go anywhere. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah it, they, they bottomed out pretty quickly. Um, the, next, the next thing in Jay-Z's portfolio uh, is Rockaware... Uh, the brand. Now I don't know if you remember uh, Rockaware. I do remember Rockaware. It was they they were around. I want to say there was like a good five years where they were like the premier urban clothing line. Is that is that is that a, is that a safe estimate? Them and Sean John. Yeah, I mean it, them it, it and Sean. It was wait because essentially Fubu Fubu was like the originator, and then Sean John and Carl Rockefeller. Ka- Carl Kanai was the originator. But, <laughs> Carl yeah. Kanai, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Uh, Malik, you probably want. No, oh, no, actually, you know what? Ralph Lipschitz. Ralph Lipschitz was yeah, the originator. I, if, you really, I, if you really, if you, if you really want to get into, I don't it. even know what brothers wore before Ralph. <laughs> that's that's wore, a whole episode I, right there. They, they wore Versace. Is what is what they wore. They, so you know, it's like a full. It's full circle, man. So let, let me let me ask you this, Bruce. Now, okay, so this era you're describing, yeah, uh, Sean John and and Rockaware. What did they do that? I guess change that game, change the clothing game at that time. Well, the logo was dope as hell, and they—I <laughs> mean, to be honest with you, like it's one of the greatest music logos ever created. So from they had like a really recognizable yeah, insignia. Yeah. It looked like a flame. It, it, right. The RW. Um, the other thing was that Jay Z had a very acute understanding of cross-platform promotion. Like he had, he was basically. Uh, 
he was basically doing product placement for his own products uh, in his in his music. Right. Um, and that's and that's what the whole thing about Cristal was like. Cristal wasn't paying Jay Z to mention Cristal. You know right. what I mean? Right. And he was giving him he was giving that company years of of Free promotion. promotion. Yeah. And then he's gonna say some like offhanded racist shit like that. Mm. You know, he's like, you know what? You're done. You're done yeah. in the, you're done in this business. <laughs> Rockaware was in everything. Every single artist he had, he put Rockaware on. Every time he was in front of a camera, he had Rockaware on. I State mean property. he had the and he had State Property was a subset of Rockaware. Yes. Yeah, so sh- obligatory Philly uh, <laughs> Philly shout out. Uh, but he also had the best hype man in the world at the time in Damon Dash. Uh, uh. And he was running around crazy dating Mick Jagger's daughter and like, you know, you know I, re- I remember that episode of MTV Chris. He was like, oh, and this is Jay Jagger. Jay Jagger. <laughs> In a, in a in a in a in an apartment in London that he defaulted on. Incredible. Um, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so he had Dame. He they had they had Bigs on the back end doing the business. Like they and they built uh, they built Rockaway into a two hundred million dollar brand, and they ended up selling it. Uh, but as of two thousand nineteen, Jay Z. Uh, bought the intellectual property of Rockaware back for fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million dollars. He buys he back. Sold the IP. it for two hundred and bought it back for fifteen. Damn. And this is what? What year did he do this? Uh, I think he sold it like 2011, 2012, and twenty nineteen bought it back for fifteen million dollars. So what you're saying is that Rockefeller. It's coming back with a new season, probably spring, spring, summer. Is that no, what we, we no, can no. expect? I think it's more of a, I think it's more of a case where he flipped it. It went he down sold, in market he value. He sold the top, and he, <laughs> and he bought it back because <laughs> he he wants to own his shit. Wants to own his shit. Yeah. So do we do he we really to- think someone like Jay Z has a, an emotional connection to um, that period of? his pre-billionaire life maybe i'm projecting <laughs> maybe, maybe i'm projecting a little bit but given the way he speaks about uh his his business philosophy i think he i think he does because he made it that was his baby mm. and like wouldn't you want to own the thing you made after you know the white man took it and couldn't do any <laughs> couldn't do anything with it I'm not Jay-Z. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the next the next puzzle piece in Jay-Z's uh, insane portfolio is uh, he had a stake in the gentrification of Brooklyn. I mean, he had a stake in uh, Barclays Center. I heard he owned mm-hmm. the whole thing. He does He does not own the whole thing. Uh, and, the, <laughs> and the New Jersey Nets, right? Uh, and this was much hyped in the media. Jay Z owns basketball team. Yep. Hey, Jay Z is developer of Barclays Center. <laughs> you know, Jay Z was allowed w- was able to open up a stadium down the street from where he grew up. This is probably the biggest thing that ever happened to this show. <laughs> yeah. Jay Z is about to talk to Rosanna Scotto live That's in right. Brooklyn. That's right. He's there. She's there. Hello. Congratulations, Congratulations Rosanna. Time. 
Thank you. So listen, you know Jay-Z as the mega musician, businessman, entrepreneur. Did you also know he's a part owner of the New Jersey Nets and looking very spiffy for us this morning on Good Day New York. Thank you for getting dressed up. I bought my good clothes for Good Day. <laughs> well, we're happy that you're here. I know that you have a big announcement. Uh, it's a name change according to the owners. What is that announcement? Well, the ownership, we have decided that the official name for the Nets will uh, be the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, which makes me right. See, I'm really giddy right now. I Brooklyn know, Nets, yeah. because you grew up in the Marcy Apartments about seven minutes away from here. This is yeah. your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, and I also had a place at 560 State Street, which I could literally walk to from here. Yeah. Like and, and they really leaned super hard on this idea of like Jay Z as this you know titan of industry you know mm. which he which he is, but what what the deal was he owned one fifth of one percent of the franchise, and he the other his his partner in that deal was a Russian oligarch who was also a basketball player. Um, in 2013, um, because he was starting Rock Nation, this is the other part of his portfolio. Rock Nation is a multi-industry, you know, he's basically trying to start the black CAA, essentially. Mm, mm. Um, he had to sell his stake in the Nets to, he sold it to Jason Kidd or something like that, uh, who was the coach at the time. It really? might it might still be. I don't know. Did not know that. Did not know that. Because it was a conflict of interest. Like you can't represent athletes and also be an owner of a team. Mm. So he had to sell his stake, and you know he flipped that for a ni- some nice coin. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, now he he runs Rock Nation, which you know is one of the largest um, management agencies in in the industry at the moment, um, with such illustrious clients as. Meek Mill, Meek Mill, and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure he, they have a they have they have an esports uh, department. <laughs> they have an esports uh-huh. department. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, Malik. Yes. Maybe you can join the team and you know get a million dollar contract playing like Call of Duty or something. Bro, I've been out of that game. <laughs> what? Wait, I, what? What game? What game? What? I what's, pe- what's I peaked at 13 years old, and like all these kids, my <laughs> reflexes aren't what they used to be. He's a FIFA. He's a FIFA guy. Absolutely He's, not. No, sports games fi- are the hardest. Sports games, they've just been adding, you know, buttons and features to them for 20 years now. I don't even know how <laughs> yeah, to kick they a soccer ball in FIFA. <laughs> the, game, the game really, the, the game mechanics haven't really changed over the years. Um, just kick a, the ball. Just kick the ball. Yeah. As, a, as a former uh, NBA 2K addict, um, <laughs> I can tell you that, and I've lost plenty of controllers throwing them through the wall. <laughs> So uh I'm a so, yeah. N- I'm a NBA jams type of guy, sorry. Uh yeah, three buttons. <laughs> three, buttons. Three, a, three buttons and finesse. Three buttons and style. Joyce joystick. <laughs> three buttons, hundred and twenty eight moves to do in the game. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's only two people on the court. It's all good. <laughs> the net know. was literally on fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's on fire. <laughs> so so Jay Z has his his hand and a lot of stuff and and in doing a little bit the research for this i forgot in the midst of all this he was the president of def jam he was the president of def jam yeah what year did that happen i don't feel like looking it up but it was and def jam was owned by russell simmons for decades no 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 russ 
Russell Simmons and 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 Rick Rubin got out of Def Jam like in the nineties. Oh, okay. Yeah, they they weren't. So it changed hands throughout the nineties yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. the knots, and then eventually went into Jay Z's hands. Well, Jay Z, he, he was he was the, the pres- president. He was the president. It, Def Jam is owned by Universal Music Group, which mm. you know mm. is is one of the four giant record labels. You know, you know, I, I feel like the news of him. And Jack Dorsey from Twitter launching a Bitcoin development fund like that, I think that sends an interesting message to people, right? That Jay-Z wants to be considered like, okay, I am an innovative entrepreneur. I am going into these new spaces to right make money. I mean, I, I mean, who, who would have, I, I wouldn't imagine Jay-Z getting crypto. But then again, hey, I would everybody's love, in crypto right now, so it kind of makes sense. I would pay money to hear Jay-Z explain uh, block blockchain <laughs> blockchain technology yeah. somebody who buys an apartment in manhattan for 25 million dollars does not tell you how the plumbing works they don't tell you you know when the building was built this is mm, it's pure mm. speculation this is mm, <laughs> you know this is someone who again this is why i can't you know muster any emotions about this because this is you know somebody going to work every day and they are <laughs> thinking about numbers and that's those are two things that I'd rather avoid personally. So, what thinking about numbers, <laughs> going to work and thinking about numbers? Yeah. The reason why I kind of got you know neck deep in this was because it tied in so uh, elegantly with our last episode, uh, our Kanye spectacular, um, <laughs> and mostly mostly because I was just thinking about how Jay Z was able to do all the things that Kanye has been tripping over his own feet to do um, over the years. Like, he's really in the plumbing of of the okay. industry. So that, 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 that hip-hop. Is interesting. Hip-hop. Yeah. That I do find interesting. But I think, I think Kanye is an artist, and I think he's more interested in his art than a business person like Jay-Z. Well, he did say he was a business <laughs> man. <laughs> Yeah. So, so how, like, he, what he, is? Why would we want to compare these two? You know, think these two yeah, minds. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Jay Z is in the class of like uh, Sean P Diddy Combs, Russell Simmons, right? Entrepreneurs making the record, like interested in building, uh, you know, building an empire. Uh, uh, yeah. So is this like a Jay Z question or is it a Kanye question? Like, is it? Are we trying to figure out what does Kanye actually want to be Jay Z? Because <laughs> we know guys, at one guys, point he did. Well, I think we're suffering from Kanye PTSD. No, we, I think I, wanna, I do want on. an answer to this, though. I want to answer to this. We're going to cut your audio out for the next three minutes. Does Kanye still want to be Jay-Z? Because we know when we first met him, that's what he wanted more than anything else. Bruce, you answer this question. I'm out. I don't feel like I know who Jay-Z is anymore. Like, I don't get that from his records. It's personal for me, I guess, what I, is what I'm saying, Right. Like, Jay-Z is definitely, like, the understated guy. Like, he was donating money uh, to get people out of jail during the Black Lives Matter protests last year and and two years ago. Uh, he produced the, uh, the, the Khalif Browder documentary about the kid who was locked up in Rikers Island and ended up committing suicide. Like, he's contributing to the discourse, to the political discourse, um, in very subtle ways. By caping for the NFL? (laughs) I completely forgot about that. Damn. (laughs) Damn. This is why I'm here.
officially canceled. So no. I'm so yeah, kidding. let finish your thought. <laughs> huh? Yeah, that was a little problematic, wasn't it? Um. Damn. I didn't guess again. Selective research. Um, <laughs> selective memory. You know. Yeah. It's been a long year. So, We're gonna right, rename so, this podcast "Selected Memory." Yeah. <laughs> I guess I was just. I was. Okay. That's not well, well, accurate. That's, that's actually. That's actually really good. That's actually really good because. Because that gives me that that gives me the 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 ramp onto the next thing right (laughs) it's like i think i was just so enamored by the amount of pies that jay had his hand in over the years and just like very very impressed uh that i completely forgot that he was the black guy (laughs) when uh the nfl was trying to repair its image after completely shunning colin kaepernick yeah, I mean they had a, they had a black guy and he could throw a football good, but they had to go pay this other black guy. Exactly. Jay Z said, "I'm a businessman. That's all yeah. you need to know. That's yeah. all you need to know." He 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 laid it out. He laid it out for us. Exactly, exactly. And he also has clients that are NFL <laughs> players. You know, like yeah, your your memory's he, coming back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He has clients that are NFL players, and I think what's good for the NFL is good for Sean Carter. You know. <laughs> <laughs> This has oh. been an advertisement before. <laughs> for, for, J, for Jay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you get for mixing up like nostalgia and fucking business. Oh man. I was feeling nostalgic for Rock Aware. I don't know if I don't know if he, if he was. I mean, Rock Aware uh, that was a particular era in time. I think all of us were I guess teenagers, right? Teenagers and uh, that's mean, a yeah. good. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. <laughs> this is pre streetwear. This is you know when they were. Yeah, this, this is urban. This is urban wear. This is urban wear, right? Untainted, like, uh, untouched. Not mm-hmm. not even you know. Yeah, this honestly, this is a whole separate episode that we can go into. You could absolutely, yeah. You couldn't buy a t shirt that was under five XL. <laughs> but this is before. This is you know when all that shit was deemed you know foreign by yeah fashion media and celebrities mm, mm. so black culture was really cooking doing its own thing mm. and now all these europeans draped up on some shit like and we're back doing? to virgil <laughs> <laughs> full circle i guess i, was, I, I guess th- that's that's something we really didn't get into in the last podcast is like kanye's farm team got placed in these pl- positions of power and, and places that I think Kanye wanted to be, right? Like Jay-Z is the CEO of like eight different companies that have a market value of like billions of dollars. And, you know, Kanye's just with a th- sitting with a thumb in his ass and on a farm. You know what I mean? Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's just like, I wish, I wish that, I wish that, I wish, I wish Kanye was just. I just want him to be better, man. I just want Yay. Save it like for volume as, two. Save it for volume two. Okay. We're we're so far off the map here. We just need to. Have I know. I know. I know. No, this is better as in like as a human being. Better. 
Guys, guys, as a member of society, better. Guys, guys, we spent we spent an hour and a half last week on this. All right, bro, just let I I need to know. I need to know. We got to spare our audience a little bit here. We're cutting all of this, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. I need I need to know what that what you're (laughs) yo (laughs) where you're at. Yo, this is ridiculous. (laughs) You guys, you guys are literally. Going into new territory together. You know what I mean? That's, that's the important part about this, is we're learning. Uh, yeah. We're, we're learning. We're learning. What, what does it uh, mean for Kanye to be better? <laughs> As a father? No, I can't, man. Yo, I can't. Yo, this is so funny. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, the thing that's happening is brothers like Ben and Bruce, you know, they, they grew up seeing Kanye. Yo, but you know, guys, everybody's had out, that same experience. No, with but he else. he was they were Kanye and Kanye was them. <laughs> and over the past okay. five years, Kanye has become a monster. But guys that we can't I, recognize anymore. Guys, I've been telling you this the entire time. No, but this is and, an emotional thing for Bruce and for Ben uh, because they were Kanye and Kanye was them. Like I said, guys, I understand. <laughs> guys, Bruce, Bruce, all I'm gonna say is we lived through eight eight and heartbreaks. We know we knew that him. We knew him. We knew him. But guess what? That man died. You know, he's a, it's a whole it's a whole new gut ball game. You just have to swallow that pill. He was Kanye all the way up until season three. <laughs> what happened? What happened, I, man? I love you like Kanye loves Kanye. That was it. That was the end. That's the last real th- words that came out of his mouth. And from his perspective, he's just like, why y'all on that old-ass product? You guys on he the said Apple I Generation inv- 2. He said, I invented Kanye. There was no Kanye. Now he said, everywhere I-, I look, there's Kanye's. He said, "He said you guys are on Apple 2. I'm on <laughs> Apple 4, 12. Why, why are you guys still back there? I fired my manager because I can't be managed. <laughs> yeah, it's not... It's. It's tough. So this is obviously all getting cut, but we this is a great episode. But I think I think when we veer back, <laughs> we got to cut all that shit. We got to cut all the veer back. All right. So for the for the audience, uh, we just cut a bunch of stuff uh, because <laughs> not for the audience. They don't they don't know, I would, they know nothing. I would, no, <laughs> I'm not hearing just this sh- either. No, this, no, is no, in, just, this is Men in Black. This is the a scene where the this uh, is the, ner- the, the neuralizer. The neuralizer. Yeah. You can't take so, back those tears. <laughs> <laughs> opening wounds you gotta say you gotta say with that those emotions <laughs> well i i do want to know you know what we see for jay-z like as a cultural figure i guess we we talked about him as a business person um and how his business always overlaps with his artwork you know with his public identity any thoughts i would yeah i would say that I think with this move, of, I mean, he's obviously a successful businessman to be able to have all these different businesses, as, uh, you know, pr- producing a certain, you know, profit every year with him going into launching a development fund full of Bitcoin, like takes a lot of money with a CEO from Twitter and Square, like, you know, that's huge. I well, mean, Square is worth, I mean, Jack Dorsey's making money. Square is worth twice what twitter's worth yeah yeah square is an actual business <laughs> but but still both of those companies are obviously very reputable in the industry so yes so jay-z positioning himself beside someone like jack dorsey and making an investment like putting a lot of money into this cryptocurrency he's just positioning himself in the forefront of business right like he's just trying to be 
Right. An industry titan, as you described. The power earlier. of the black dollar. And he's not trying to scam anybody like like Russell Simmons um, <laughs> with, with, the, with the prepaid rush cards. I don't wow. know if you, if you remember back. that. Throwback. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, do, I do remember yeah. that. I remember those commercials. Yeah. Throwback. He's not trying to scam anybody. But another thing that's in uh, that that's a part of Square is Cash App, and Cash App did a very big push uh, on on urban uh, urban podcasts, uh, most notably uh, all three the, of them. Sim- <laughs> <laughs> no, they did a very big push on 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 urban podcasts and uh, or excuse me, podcasts with an urban perspective. Uh, so. <laughs> So, so I, I I think once again that's a tech CEO recognizing the power of the black dollar, mm. you know, mainstreaming Cash App in an already you know uh, in a, in a crowded field with with Venmo and PayPal, and then PayPal ended up acquiring Venmo and you know mm-hmm. et cetera et cetera. Like I think what the point I was trying to get at is like he is slowly but surely getting himself into. Um, like God, I said, into the into God the plumbing. God emperor status. God emperor status. <laughs> He's getting into the plumbing of the industry he works for. But mm. I think from more from a from a from a social perspective or 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 a cultural perspective, no matter how successful he becomes, he still had to leverage his success as an entertainer to achieve this level right speak on it speak like, on bruce like and and i'm only going to speak on kanye for a little bit but <laughs> what i said in the last episode was that when kanye would get into these meetings with these uh these the people who had the keys of power at the end of the day he was just still a rapper jay-z on the other hand could walk into these meetings and like yo these are the moves that i've been making since 94 like partner, I'm still spending money from '88. Like, you know, <laughs> here are the moves I've been making thus far. I'm just like the rapper shit is easy for me, and I think subtly he's trying to change the conversation about where a man, a black man in his mid, in his early fifties with a midlife crisis dreads, um, has a place <laughs> in the boardroom. Mm. Mm. You know. Instead of it, it, he has the other MAGA hat, he has the the paper plane. <laughs> he has the paper plane hat. Right. So well, you know, this is what capitalism affords us. We got one brother in the boardroom, and maybe yeah. forty years from now, there'll be a we'll second get another one. one. <laughs> I mean, all I know is when he started rapping about owning Basquiat's, like I couldn't listen to him anymore. Couldn't relate. He transitioned. Oh, uh, he ascended. <laughs> <laughs> he transcended. Um, a little news out of um, Hollywood. Mm. Ta-Nehisi Coates, uh, author of the books Between the World and Me, The Beautiful Struggle, uh, I I always wanted to know you what came first, the Talib Kweli album or or the Tiny Hasi Coates book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bet Talib Kweli the album. Kweli album. Okay. Yeah. You will uh, be correct, sir. Yeah. What so, what was what was the one single off that album? Get, Do you recall? get by. Get by. Okay. Yeah. Right. Produced by. 
Hey. I'm I'm gonna put a flex bomb on that one. Um, <laughs> dun, anyway. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Uh, Hasi Coates, uh, the author of Between the World and Me, The Beautiful Struggle, uh, We Were Eight Years in Power, his, his, uh, collection of essays about the Obama administration, uh, and the nonfiction, um, uh, The Water Dancer, and also, uh, author of, uh, a series of Black Panther comics. He has been, uh, tapped to write the... Superman reboot um, with J.J. Abrams producing. Uh, does that does that matter to anyone? Number one, um, <laughs> the nostalgia machine churning out all these reboots is exhausting and nauseating. But that's a whole separate episode which we're yeah. going to tackle. But yeah. the news of uh, you know Tahasi actually writing Tanahasi. for. Tanahasi, excuse me, writing for Superman is amazing. Like he's so talented and obviously a very culturally impactful writer. Like that's gonna be it's gonna be a sick movie. I hope so. Uh, do you you think you think uh, the future of Hollywood is black? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, it could be if if you the mean, powers that be like let 90, it happen. If we're doing a full '90s, you know, we're re- rehashing every property from the '90s, and Hollywood be would be a lot blacker than it's been lately. Coming to America too. Uh, Winston Duke, who played the um, the 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 vegan tyrant in the Ryan Coogler uh, Black Panther movie, has been tapped to play Marcus Garvey in a uh, biopic um, upcoming. Now, I don't want to say the timing of announcing all this in February is suspect, <laughs> but. At the same time, uh, it seems like all of these black, heavily black movies are being thrust into the mainstream and getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of attention and big studio uh, dollar bills behind them. Do you think that'll change the discourse on race, gentlemen? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> that is Mike. <laughs> think we'll you think we'll finally be able to have a uh grounded discussion about um the racial problem in the united states you think thanksgiving you think thanksgiving will ever be the same again (laughs) (laughs) we can just eat in silence i went to see mission impossible and it was all black people where's where's tom cruise where's tom cruise (laughs) yeah we sell crack to our own out the back of our homes We smell the musk of the dusk and the crack of the dawn We go through episodes too, like attack of the clones What till we break a bag and you hear the crack of the bone To get by, just to get by, just to get by, just to get by We commute the computer, spirits stay mute While your ego spread rumors, we survivalists turn to consumers Just to get by, just to get by, just to get by, just to get by that that'll end this uh delightful episode of the savage mode podcast um for me dj bruce aka planet b malik hendrix irving aka fine touche malik aka um, a brother who does not have thoughts about tanahasi coats <laughs> <laughs> at all oh, I, um We'll we'll talk about that later. 
uh, hope maybe 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 in person maybe yeah. in an alley maybe in an alley somewhere Damn. Uh, Malik, Malik has Malik has Chief Keef I don't like energy on that one uh, praise praise be to 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 the Chirac God um, I'm, I'm trying to grow as a person you know I'm I'm not going after every piece of red meat I see <laughs> you're oh. gonna you're gonna kill me. Save it, save it for the I'm next gonna, episode. Save it for the anyway, next episode. Thank you all for listening. SavageModePod.com is the URL. Uh, we're, we're getting our act together. Peace and love. And uh, we out. Go see, go Peace. see, go see Judas and the Black Messiah. Peace.